0: Hello and welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're always so encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send a message to lifechange
1: at hopecityonline.net. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message out of God's Word. Hey guys, for those of you just joining us, we are smack dab in the middle of a series called Under the Influence about the effects of living under the influence of God's Holy Spirit. Now we've been telling you that throughout this series we're going to have different people come in from different backgrounds to speak with us and today is no exception. We've got someone named Joe Pena. He is from Relentless Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. I said Nevada First Service. It got mad at me. If you're out there, I guess it's Nevada. They're doing some amazing things out there in the middle of a very crazy city. We've partnered alongside Joe in the past to help support and plant churches all throughout the world, and we're honored to have him. I'm also uh, on record as saying that he is the only person who consistently wears tighter jeans than Pastor Robbie. So you'll notice that. Folks, if you'll help us, give us a Big Hope City welcome to Joe Pena. Thank
0: you, guys. How's everyone feeling this morning? Let me just be real with you guys. So I I jumped on a plane yesterday. and Well, actually, I tried to jump on the plane, and it was late. And then we went to Chicago, and I tried to jump on another plane, and then it was late. And then last night, I tried to fall asleep, but I couldn't because I'm on West Coast time. And so um, I just want to ask you guys to just interact with me a little bit. You know, um, I, I drank a Red Bull and coffee this morning. So I'm, I'm super excited to be with you guys today. So hopefully, I, I can be at normal speed. Um, and, and I just want to um, introduce myself. I'm, I'm Joe Pena, like he said. I'm the lead pastor of Relentless Church. And I just want to share you, with you guys a little bit who I am and um, with a picture of my family. And, and that is, that's my beautiful family. Um, that's actually behind a really cool coffee shop in the downtown area. That's my wife, Danielle. She's at home speaking right now. She's killing it. She's amazing. She is the better part of both of us. And she is hot and sexy. And we made two coconuts. Um, <laughs> Coconuts, and in case you're wondering, I know you're going to ask. You're thinking this already, so I'm I'm just going to share this with you so that I can just ease your mind a little bit. Yes, I am vertically challenged. I'm five seven and a half. Okay, you don't have to think about that anymore. You can, you can, you can focus on God's word. And and secondly, um, I'm not Native American. I'm not Middle Eastern. I'm, I'm Latino. I'm Hispanic. My dad's from Mexico, and my mom's from Guatemala, and uh, I, I showed up on the scene somehow. And, and so, yeah, we're just su- I'm just super excited to be here with you guys. Pastor Robbie came to Relentless Church, and, and he shared a, as part of Galatians our Galatians series, and he absolutely killed it. You guys have an incredible pastor. Do you guys believe that? Samantha and Robbie are off the charts and they're incredible. I don't know if you guys knew this, but 164 people have made decisions to follow Jesus at Hope City Church here in North Carolina. That is insane. That is insane. I live in Las Vegas. And you're probably thinking, Pastor, man, you got a lot of work ahead of you. On my way to church today, there was barely any traffic. No one was on their way to church, kind of like Las Vegas. And the fact is that most people today decided to stay home. And so very similar, uh, very similar, but very different. The only difference between Vegas is that we can buy uh, liquor whenever we want, wherever we want. Uh, we can, we, there's slap machines at like laundry mats and, and gas stations. I'm not even making that up. That is real. Ding, ding, ding. You hear that all the time. You're just kind of, you don't really hear it because you're so used to it. And, and all, and except also we're very open about our sin. In Vegas. That's the only difference. We have the same symptoms. We have the same need for Jesus Christ, except they're ju- they just celebrate sin a whole lot more. And so I'm super encouraged to be part of this series under the influence. I saw the little bottles y'all got. I usually I say you guys, but I'm in the South, so I'll say y'all. It actually sounds and flows better, Um, y'all. Got and and that was that was brilliant, amazing. Little Jack Daniel looking bottles. I told Pastor Robbie if I would have handed them out at Relentless Church, people would have been like, "Sweet, we're having communion. This is awesome, Jack Daniels." Man, I love this church. I'm coming back every week. You know, and I'm not actually joking, right? So that's why it's funny because it's not actually a joke, and. I don't know if you're like me. I don't know if you why you live here, if you moved here, you grew up somewhere else in the country, or if you grew up here and maybe you went to Sunday school, maybe grandma took you to church. But I did not grow up in church. My my parents weren't were Christians. Um uh, you know, very lost I was a very lost, confused young man, and I remember middle school. High school was horrible for me, but middle school was a little bit more fun, so we're going back to middle school, and I remember there was this really pretty girl, like she was hot. Have you ever seen a pretty, no, I'm not going to make you answer that, because that would just be awkward, because your wife's next to you, Um, but anyways, this girl was really hot, and I remember one day, she was super nice, she came up to me, and she said, hey, you want to hang out? On Wednesday night, God, just have your mom drop you off at my house and, and we could just hang out. You can meet my family. And I'm like, oh my goodness, she likes me. She likes me. Do you remember the moment that that girl you couldn't get your eyes off of actually acknowledged that you were a real person? It was like that kind of moment for me. And so my mom drops me off because I, I obviously didn't drive. I was only in, in junior high. And so I go to her house and just within five to ten minutes her parents say, okay, kids, let's go. Let's go. Where are we going? They're like, we're going to church tonight. What? This girl tricked me. She, she, she tricked me. I thought she actually liked me, but she was on mission to get me to church, I guess. I, I guess I really needed it. And I remember showing up at a middle school parking lot, going inside, and going to a cafe, inside of a cafetorium. Do you guys know what a cafetorium is? It's a cafeteria and an auditorium, so it smells like sweat and food. And, and cardboard, you know, it, it's, it's, it's smelly, it's weird. And I remember about 50 chairs set up for church. And I looked to my left and I, and I saw ladies who had very long dresses on and they had their heads covered. I thought that was pretty odd. And then to the right, I, I saw ladies dressed the same except they were spinning in circles, speaking some gibberish. And you know what happened to me? It gave me the eebie Like, seriously, chicken skin. You know what that's like? Not like the kind of moment when you're in worship and you're like, you just feel God's love and you get some goosebumps. Not, not that, those kind of goosebumps. I was freaked out. Do you remember the last Exorcist movie that you watched with the little girl, little pretty girl with blonde hair, white dress, in the little corner singing, la, 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 and then distorting voice. That is the feeling that I got from this experience. Guess what? I never went back again. And uh, she wasn't going to trick me again. And, and many of us have had experiences with the Holy Spirit. And some of those experiences have been life-giving, not life-sucking like mine. And, 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 and some of those experiences help us to, 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 to just put us in a direction where we want more of Jesus. And we want to serve him more. And we want to read his word more. And we want to love people more. And, and, and we're so overwhelmed just by his love. And, and, and we just want to love Jesus with everything we've got. But some of you have had a similar experience to me and and have totally been freaked out. See, there's two different categories of people of- Christian churches one is the Holy Spirit churches and the regular churches and so a lot of times when it comes to the Holy Spirit We don't want to identify with that because people make it weird people make it weird and see Jesus Talked a lot about the Holy Spirit So i'm just going to give you a quick timeline of what happened So Jesus is with his disciples and they're having dinner. They're eating food They ate food a lot. I love that about Jesus. They ate food a lot. And in heaven, there's more food. Like seriously, uh, there's more food. I know I'm making you guys hungry. uh, But anyways, they're they're, they're around this table. And Jesus is sharing just the power of of his body being broken, communion, the Lord's Supper, and the power of, of the blood, the wine that they were drinking. And while they were discussing this whole thing, and while they were in this crazy moment, you have Leonardo da Vinci there in the corner in the chair. And he's kind of sketching out what he sees. And there's always that guy kind of doing like a peace symbol kind of next to Jesus. He kind of looks like a dude. But then you're like, is that a girl that just has peach fuzz and didn't shave that morning? And so we get confused whether that's John the Apostle or or some kind of Mary. But I think it's kind of silly how we come up with ideas. Because of someone that painted something that wasn't there when Jesus was there. So I just wanted to throw that out there. But in John chapter 13, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. He demonstrates that he didn't come to be served, but that he came to serve others, and he shows his disciples what that looks like. In John chapter 17, Jesus prays in the garden before he's given over and crucified. If you want to know what the Lord prayed, the Lord's actual prayer, John chapter 17, it's so intense. Jesus has so much anxiety that he begins to sweat blood. It is super intense, and his disciples won't stay awake to pray. He's like, can't you even stay? This is the same place where where one of his disciples, Peter, chopped off a dude's ear and Jesus puts it back on. And, and, and so this that is, you know, John chapter 10, you, that's where you, where, where you can read the prayer, where Jesus is praying for those of you that follow Jesus and for those of you that are going to follow Jesus and for those of you who God is pursuing so that you can know that God loves you so much that he sent a savior and not a condemner because the world needed saving and not condemning, and so that is that is what we see there. And if we go back to John chapter fourteen through sixteen, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. He talks about him a lot. That he's sending a comforter, a helper, an advocate, and that's what you guys have been learning about. And the word that that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit is Parakletos. Okay, it means to walk alongside of you. And so Jesus said this: Hey guys. I will be with you to the end of age. But actually, I'm going to die, and I'm going to resurrect, and I'm going to leave. But, and it sounds crazy. I'm not going to leave you, but I am going to leave you. And so Jesus pulls that, and he says, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit, and he will walk alongside of you. See, the Holy Spirit was sent. To us by Jesus to empower us and to walk alongside of us. And, 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 and we just, I just love that. And see, Jesus is resurrected and he gave them a mission in Matthew chapter 28 at the end of that. And we call it the Great Commission. Those words great and commission are actually never in scripture, but we call it the Great Commission. And Jesus sends them on the mission to spread the hope of Jesus Christ to the broken, lost world. And so, he, and, and see, when we think about that, a lot of times is, 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 is we think, okay, so Jesus has his 12 guys, and he says, hey guys, I want you to hit up all the cities. I need you to find a, a cafetorium. And, uh, uh okay uh we need a drum cage cuz acoustics are bad and message 35 to 40 minutes and uh we need we need we need a worship leader uh, that can sing and and just do that and all the Christians gathered and, and scattered within every town is going to come and mission accomplished go to the next city but what Jesus did his mandate the mission wasn't to gather those who already believe but to go after the ones who were lost the hopeless and broken that didn't know Jesus so Jesus pretty much gave them an evangelistic mandate to go make disciples of all the nations and see making Disciples can't happen if someone first doesn't come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. See, so Jesus says, hey guys. Go tell them about me and about my hope. And see, you guys are from Hope City Church, and you guys understand that hope is not a dogma. It's not a principle. It's not a character quality of Jesus, but that hope is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so as Jesus tells his disciples to go to all the world, he is telling them to to share the news about him, to share the news about him. So then we read in Acts chapter 1. So this is crazy. Jesus says interesting stuff sometimes. In chapter 20, Matthew 28, Jesus says, Go to all the world, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, after Jesus is resurrected and around for about 40 days, he says, Wait! Don't go yet! Can you turn to your neighbor and say, Wait! If you just said that to your fiancé, that's awkward. I'm sorry about that. Um, But anyways, he says, don't go yet. And see, what we have to realize is that the Holy Spirit doesn't exist to give us goosebumps. He empowers us to reach people. The Holy Spirit is not weird. Weird. I'll tell you guys over here, see if you guys believe it. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. They were weird before they knew Jesus. And you're laughing because maybe you know somebody, and if you don't know anyone, that's probably you. But anyways, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are weird, and those people were way weird before they met Jesus, and they stayed up all night and watched X-Files. And they could probably tell you about, yeah, they're just crazy people. They're so weird, and then they get saved and and freak everyone else out. And 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 everyone that wants to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit goes. I don't know if I want to categorize myself with those people. Um, but the truth is, is that the Holy Spirit isn't weird. The Holy Spirit isn't weird. And and maybe maybe you're here today. Maybe you grew up in church and you got totally freaked out, like like I did. And and so I totally understand um why why you think that way and see see, um, and, and and Jesus tells us plainly here in Acts chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 3 through 8, I'll skip 7, possibly, depending on how I feel at the moment, but this this is what happens, Jesus Jesus is resurrected, he's around for 40 days I'm going to read, starting at verse 3, and it says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died he appeared to the apostles from time to time, he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the Kingdom of God, I have that underlined in my Bible, Kingdom of God. once he was eating, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave, he says don 't go yet um, until the Father sends you the gift promise, as I told you before, John baptized with water, but just in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept on asking stupid questions. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? So here Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, and here these guys are worried about local politics, wondering if if Jesus was going to be not the Messiah in saving their soul, but the Messiah from saving them from Roman oppression. And so many believers today are no different than than the the apostles here. We're we're more concerned and have our hope more in politics and in government than in actually what Jesus came to spread, and that is the news of the kingdom of God and the righteousness that comes through Jesus alone. Verse seven says this, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and that's not for you to know. In other words, none of your business. That's what Jesus said. Um, But you, then Jesus goes back on subject, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What does Jesus do there? He spells it out. He says, hey, guys, Holy Spirit's not about goosebumps. The Holy Spirit's not even about you. The Holy Spirit doesn't exist just for you so that you can have someone with you all the time. The Holy Spirit was sent to us so that we can be there for others. Amen? Does anyone believe that? Um, and the Holy Spirit was sent so that we can help people meet Jesus. And, and and at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, what's interesting here is that is that it says that 3,000 people came to faith in Christ. So the Holy Spirit fills 120 believers in the upper room and, and crazy stuff is happening. And then Peter addresses the crowd because they were over there for Passover, uh, for the Feast of Pentecost, actually. And and then 3,000 people respond to the message and hope of Jesus. Like, this is insanity. Can you imagine how how sore their biceps were after baptizing 3,000 people? These weren't 3,000 people that just, like, went, yes, I'll give my life to Jesus. They got baptized that day, and they became part of that church. And and, and it's absolutely crazy. Crazy. And some of you have seen things posted on Facebook or, or testimonies, and you're you're like, I don't know if this is God. I don't know if this is God. I just don't get it. Does God really do that? Is God really in that? Or you hear about these little tent revivals or or you hear about these things happening on college campuses? I want to help you out for a second. Every move of God always has people coming to Jesus. If people are not coming to Jesus, God is not in it. That is demonstrated through the birth of his church. Every time the Holy Spirit moves, people repent from sin and follow Jesus. I still believe that that is the greatest miracle ever that can ever happen. A greater miracle than the dead rising, than than the blind seeing. A sinner repents and comes home. And you know what heaven does? There's only one reason that heaven parties. And that's not because you raised your hand for like five seconds to worship or because you shouted the preacher down or because you come to church three times this month but because of one sinner returning home to God, it says that heaven erupts and has a party, and it's amazing, and, 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 and as we're talking about this, you're probably thinking, okay, Pastor Joe, Las Vegas, shorty guy, vertically challenged dude, okay, I'm a stay-at-home mom, I'm in business, I'm, I'm kind of in transition through careers, how is this even possible for me to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to reach others in my context, like, how does that, and what does that look like? And, and, and maybe some of you are like, man, I'm one of the 164. I, I don't even know. I just need to know more about my faith right now. I, I don't think I'm really comfortable reaching out to, to people about God. Like, I'm, I'm still trying to figure this whole thing out. And maybe you're thinking, man, I've never been to Bible school. Isn't that for like preachers and paid people on stages behind pulpits and, and podiums and stuff? And and just the the thought of reaching out to people in your life overwhelms you because you're like, Pastor Joe, you don't know my family. And you're not gonna say amen right now because they're right next to you. (laughs) You don't know my family. You don't know the people in my life. It is crazy, out of control. I come to church to get away from them. You don't know how crazy it is. I don't think I'll last a day, Pastor Joe. Well, I just wanna encourage you with this. God found it right to place you in the place that you are with the people around you. Maybe God did see, wow, this is crazy out of order. How about I'm going to put somebody that carries my hope into their lives. Maybe you're the response to someone else's prayer for them. So I just want to encourage you with that and 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 I'm with you. My family is crazy. Like honestly, you'll you'll find out a little bit more uh, my 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 regular household we're crazy in itself, but my other family they're just they're just crazy as as can be and very dysfunctional so I, I totally i'm me too I'm with you. I understand the struggle and, and and see the truth is that every single one of us have been equipped. With the power of the Holy Spirit, the moment we said yes to Jesus and made a conscious decision, the Holy Spirit dwelt dwells inside of us. And now we are empowered to make a difference and bring the hope to the broken in the name of Jesus. And so this, this, I'm going to break it down in some practical stuff. In order to make a difference, in order to reach out, in order to be used by the Holy Spirit to be on mission with God, uh, the first thing we need to do is, is kind of look at our uh, sphere of influence. W- what is what is what is my sphere of influence? Um, and so the way I identify that is by three Ps. The first one is people. Who are your people? Who lives in your house? Who's your neighbor? What about the, the, the person that you call when you get in the fight with your wife and you want to blow steam? And you want to just hang out, the person you text, they're your people. The people that you relate to the most, those are your people. Secondly, it's your place. Your place is the place that you work or the coffee shop you go to and they know your order or, or the person at the post office that knows their name or the neighbor across the street that, that knows who you are. The, the, that, is, that is your place. That is your place. If you're a student, that is school. That is your school. I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready for my kids to go back to school. All right? And so that is their place. And thirdly, passion. Have you ever met someone that does CrossFit? Be be serious. Okay. Hi, my name is Jim. I do CrossFit. Come join us. It's amazing. It changed my life. You need to come. This is amazing. We do it the real way. We jump on boxes out. Man, I feel so good. Look at my veins. They're bulging out. Man, they're like evangelists for CrossFit. It's crazy. You'll find out like, hey, my name is Jim, I do CrossFit. Like that's how they introduce themselves. It's crazy. But the greatest thing about the passion where you have your passion is that you are surrounded by people that are passionate about the same things that you love. And that is the easiest and best place to be on mission and to reach out to others. The second thing is, Meet them in, the, in their place of need. Galatians six two says, bear one another's burdens, so they fulfill the, the law of Christ. And so I dare you, I'll say it again, I dare you to get close enough to people to know what they're going through. I dare you to get close enough to people to find out what their pain and what their struggles are. I dare you to, to find a need and to fill it, to find hurt and to heal it. A lot of times us as followers of Jesus and Christians, one of our friends, they'll get into trouble, and you know what we do? We lecture them. And they're hurting. We're just telling, hey, you shouldn't be thinking like that. The enemy, blah, blah, blah. Hey, you know, First Corinthians five, blah, 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 blah. You're not living like a new Christian. But all they need is just an ear to to listen enough. Sometimes healing comes by not saying anything at all. And by just simply being there, like the Holy Spirit, to walk alongside of them. So I wanna encourage you, let's be those people that don't lecture people when they're going through stuff. Let's be the people that are just gonna sit there, shut our lips, take it in and be present. And be present. That will change a life faster than quoting Bible scriptures to anything. Because see, the church, the body of Christ is for messed up people. That includes me, and you didn't escape either. That includes you. See, you may be a spirit-filled church if people come into your church and the hallway smells like weed. That's what we call it on the West Coast. Do you guys call it marijuana? Um, uh, no? Okay. No one knows what I'm talking about. But anyways, um, <laughs> you guys must not. Okay. Is it legal here? I don't know. Like, maybe it isn't. Maybe marijuana. What is that? Um, yeah, just ask your parents. They've been around 60s, 70s maybe. Um, but anyways, um, if you always smell like weed, then there's probably a good chance that your church is spirit-led. If if you have to hide stuff in your car so that someone doesn't break in, it could mean that you're spirit-led. It could mean spirit-led if you're doing a baby dedication and you and the pastoral team didn't check the dress code and one of the kids has a shirt in Shirt on that says, hung like daddy. That actually happened in Las Vegas. Like, have you, I mean, as a pastor, I never thought, okay, what are they wearing? They need to wear black, like shirt, like, you know, approval process. Like, they're a little, they're babies, you know, like, like you, you don't check for that thing. But you may be a spirit-led church if that happens in your church. The third thing we need to do is point people to Jesus. See, Jesus is the hope of the world, and he has chosen the local church to bring that hope. It's not enough to get people just to Jesus, because Jesus started a church in the New Testament. And the local church is the best environment for every new believer. The local church is the best environment for every Christian, every follower of Jesus, the best place to grow, be encouraged, and be challenged. And so maybe you're here today and you don't have a church home. I just want to encourage you, find your church home, get plugged in, be part of the community, because we are better together. And God did not create you to go on this journey all alone. Like I mentioned earlier, I didn't grow up as a Christian I remember it was a really tough time in my life. My mother, um, my mother was working multiple jobs. My, my stepdad was in prison. And during that time, she found a new faith in Christ. So occasionally, I, I would go to church. But one thing you need to know about me is here I am, 12 years old, and I tried my first drug. I was under the influence. It was cocaine. You don't want your 12-year-old trying to okay, I don't recommend it. Don't try this at home. It'll mess them up. By the time I was 13, I needed something stronger, and it was methamphetamines. From 13 to 16 years old, I was addicted to meth. I was broken. I was lost. I did things I never thought I would do because I was under the influence. And the sad thing is this. The place that is supposed to represent life and hope, the church, when I would come in, people would look at me like what are you doing here i didn't belong i was an outcast i was getting stared at and not once did i hear about the gospel and how christ died for me and loved me like that is such a sad situation i was broken not even the place that was supposed to carry hope could could reach me see when you're under the influence You will love people like you've never loved them before. When you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you will do things that you don't have the courage to do on your own. If you know anyone that's ever drank too much alcohol, they all think they sing the best and dance the best. It's no different when we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We get courage to do things that we didn't think were possible or that we could do within our own, but we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk out in that thing called faith and change and reach out to someone that is in need. See, remember this, that it takes God's ability to accomplish God's mission. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. In John 16, 13, it says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you to all truth, he will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. So what, what is being told here is that the Holy Spirit isn't like, hey, sing to me, worship me, do my thing, follow me, check me out. I'm so awesome. The Holy Spirit is all about Jesus. And you know what Jesus is all about? Jesus is all about People And see, it's the Holy Spirit that draws people to Jesus. When I gave my life to Christ at, at a Christian rehab at 16, it was the Holy Spirit's work that drew me there. The moment that you were in your brokenness, you were lost, your your marriage was falling apart, and, and, and you came to church and you gave your life to Christ, and, and he r- 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 just... It did a powerful thing in your life, just hard to explain in your life, is now different because you've made a conscious decision on your own to follow Jesus and to give your life to him. That, too, was because of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to help us bring people to Jesus. So Vegas has a lot of neon. has so much neon that it's the brightest city from outer space. Did you know if you pulled out all the neon and and lined it all up, it would go 15,000 miles. That's like wrapped around our uh, country from east to west uh, a couple times. And it's absolutely insane. And what neon does is it tries to grab your attention and make you go somewhere. Like for example, in Vegas, maybe to get you to go to a show or to a casino. And, and, And see, the thing is this, the Holy Spirit is just like neon, except the Holy Spirit gives you hope The Holy Spirit gives you love. The Holy Spirit sets you up for your purpose and leads you to Jesus. And see, the big idea for today is this. If you miss anything, get this. The Holy Spirit is like a neon sign that points people to Jesus. And maybe you're just listening to my voice today and you've been relying on your own strength to do this thing, this Christian walk, this thing that God has called us to do. And yes, it's great. Yes, it seems impossible and hard at times because it takes faith. If you knew how it would turn out, that wouldn't be faith. But we're called to walk in this faith. But you cannot do it alone. That's why God sent us the Holy Spirit to walk alongside of us. I mentioned earlier that 2,000 people, 3,000 people actually, gave their lives to Christ at Pentecost in Acts chapter two. You know the person who led them into that? That led that that preached the gospel to them, his name was Peter. When Jesus was arrested and taken, he was asked by a little girl if he had been with Jesus. And you know what he said? No, that wasn't me. And it says that he cursed. He had no courage. He had no power. And and he he acted. He denied Christ. But when you read in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came and filled all the believers, you see a different Peter. Peter gets up and he preaches about the goodness of God. The same guy that couldn't tell a little girl, admit to a little girl that he had been with Jesus leads 3,000 people to Jesus. It's incredible. Maybe that is you. Maybe you wouldn't, wouldn't see yourself as someone that's courageous enough to walk that way. But guess what? You don't have to do it on your own. You have the Holy Spirit, Paracletos, to walk alongside of you all of the way. And he empowers you to be able to do so. So I want to ask everyone to just bow their heads and close their eyes as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for everyone that is in here. I pray that your word would go deep inside of our hearts, God. That we would be transformed. That we would be under the influence of the Holy Spirit and do things we didn't have courage to do, like Peter. You couldn't even tell someone that he was with you. But after he had received that power and he walked in it, Lord, he led thousands of people to you. He wasn't trained, he didn't go to the best Bible school. He was just a normal, average fisherman that knew the sea, and you used him powerfully. So, God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would use us. Open our eyes to see the people that are hurting. Help us to be the people to to heal the hurt and to fill the need. I want to ask you to keep your heads bowed. You're here today, and your life isn't right with God. You don't follow Jesus. And maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've been told all the Bible stories, but you've never made a conscious decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're here today, and this is the first time you heard this. Um, Maybe you didn't grow up around here. But I want to let you know that there is hope for your soul. The Bible says that if we confess Jesus with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. So what I want to do with you is I want to ask you, if that is you and you're here today and you would like to make your life right with God, meaning that after this moment, you don't have to second guess anymore. You don't have to have to uh, be afraid of where you're going to spend eternity because the hope of heaven is for those that follow Jesus. If that is you and you would like to make a conscious decision to follow Jesus, I want to ask you to raise your hand right now wherever you're at. And we're going to say a simple prayer. If that is you, you're like, Pastor Joe, I want to make a conscious decision for myself to follow Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. I, 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 I want to be made right with God. If that is you, just raise your hand wherever you are. And we're going to say a quick, simple prayer. You guys can... Put your hands down. This is one thing we do at our church. So I want to ask you if you're a Christian today to just repeat after me. Be an encouragement for those around you that are saying yes to Jesus for the first time. Jesus, I give you my life. Holy Spirit, fill me so that I can know God. I repent of my sin and I turn to you I make a clear decision to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, people, let's give God some praise. There were people here today that gave their life to Jesus. And guess what? Every single one of you, when you leave this room, you have what it takes to reach and influence the world around you. So have a blessed day, guys. Have an awesome Sunday. The best is yet to come.